Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for the promise of resurrection in Jesus Christ. The dead in Christ shall rise. We shall be together forever. Thus we shall celebrate with one another and with the Lord forever. That is the promise and hope for all who are believers in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity during the middle of the week to pause and to look at your word. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit of God that you have given us. We thank you for the word of God you have given us. We thank you for the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to sing praise to your name and to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray tonight, Lord, for those who, uh, for those boys and girls who are in foster care <clears throat> this month. We think especially of uh, these children, but we pray for them daily. We pray for these, and you are the, the one who helps the helpless, and you are the father to the fatherless. And we thank you, Lord, for all <clears throat> that you provide and all that you do <clears throat> for these dear children. We pray for those who have care over them in Tennessee, uh, in our government system and uh, DCS. And we also pray, Lord, for, um, for those who would adopt them and those who would come into their lives and make a difference for them. We, we ask that you would help us as a church to do our part and that we would minister in the name of Jesus to all of these hurting ones. Lord, we thank you now for your word. And we thank you for the book of Proverbs. We thank you for your wisdom placed in, one, in, this, in this book in such a marvelous and wonderful way. Help us tonight to have the discipline and focus of mind to think about these words and what they mean. And allow, allow us, Lord, by your help to not be distracted. May we truly, as Paul describes it, in order to have the mind of Christ, we must bring our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. And so forgive us as we've come in here with all kinds of things going on in our lives and we've not paused to think about this time, but here we are. We're ready to hear. We're ready to receive your word. We pray for, um, we pray for our choir and for our Bible studies that are going on all across the campus for the children's ministry and all the wonderful things there in our, with our students. May you be pleased with what we do here at the church. May we do the things that you've called us to do. Fill us with your spirit and guide us into your truth now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Good evening, good to see all of you. If you have your Bibles, Proverbs chapter number 11 is where we'll be continuing. There are some outlines available here at the front and also at the back, and I would encourage you to pick it up. It'll be easier for you to follow along in the way that we're studying these days. So we're highlighting the comparison between righteousness and wickedness. I remind you tonight that the Word of God is a blessing to us in many ways, and the book of Proverbs is especially a blessing to us because here uh, perhaps there's more concentration, I, I believe I can say this, there is a greater concentration of focus on teaching us what righteousness looks like here in the book of Proverbs than anywhere else in God's Word. So to understand righteousness and to understand what the Holy Spirit wants to teach us about righteousness, we've, gone, we've come to the right place, to the book of Proverbs. So tonight we continue on. Last week we looked at chapter 10, and now we look at chapter number 11 as we think about 
what it means to live wisely. The focus is this, that God's wisdom reveals to us the blessings of a righteous life. God's wisdom, and I would say to you the book of Proverbs, uh, as it captures and collects the wisdom of God given through Solomon, reveals the blessings of a righteous life. And we'll look at four various, I've tried to put these in some categories for you. But first of all, we want to read uh, these verses. And uh, here's what I would say to you as I say every time. When you read these words and we read them along carefully, then take your time. You may note, you may note something in one of these verses that you need to mark and think more about. Uh, not necessarily tonight. I might not even speak about it. But it would be something that the Holy Spirit is saying to you, this is for you. You need to pay attention to this. So that's why I want us on Wednesday night here. We have a little bit more time and this is a more detailed study. I want us to read these words together. So we'll read Proverbs chapter 11. Again, contrasts or comparisons between the righteous and the wicked. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord. But a just weight is his delight. When pride comes, then comes dishonor. But with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright will guide them. But the crookedness of the treacherous will destroy them. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath. But righteousness delivers from death. The righteousness of the blameless will smooth his way. But the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright will deliver them. But the treacherous will be caught by their own greed. When a wicked man dies, his expectation will perish. And the hope of strong men perishes. The righteous is delivered from trouble, but the wicked takes his place. With his mouth, the godless man destroys his neighbor, <clears throat> but through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the wicked perish, there is joyful shouting. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is torn down. He who despises his neighbor lacks sense. But a man of understanding keeps silent. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. But he who is, a tr he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. Where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in abundance of counselors, there is victory. He who is guarantor for a stranger will surely suffer for it. But he who hates being a guarantor is secure. A gracious woman attains honor, and, a ruth and ruthless men attain riches. The merciful man does, does himself good, but the cruel man does himself harm. The wicked earns deceptive wages, 
but he who sows righteousness gets a true reward. He who is steadfast in righteousness will attain to life, and he who pursues evil will bring about his own death. The perverse in heart are an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their walk are his delight. Assuredly, the evil man will not go unpunished, but the descendants of the righteous will be delivered. As a ring of gold in a swine's stout, so is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results in only uh, it results only in want. The generous man will be prosperous, and he uh, who waters will himself be watered. He who withholds grain, the people will curse him, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. He who diligently seeks good seeks favor, but he who seeks evil, evil will come to him. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like the green leaf. He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind, and the foolish will be servant to the wise-hearted. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who is wise wins souls. If the righteous will be rewarded in the earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word, and may the Holy Spirit truly teach us tonight as we seek to put our minds around these truths. In Jesus' name, amen. So we find here, let me give you some guidance on this. I try to continue to talk to you about how to read the book of Proverbs. Uh, the, the book of Proverbs is such a rich treasury for us of God's wisdom. And what is it that we saw at the beginning? Uh, Proverbs 1, 2, to know wisdom and understanding. There is no understanding without knowing wisdom. God's wisdom leads us to understanding life and understanding the circumstances of life and how we must uh, deal with the various circumstances that come in life. Proverbs is for life on earth. Proverbs is not focused upon heaven so much, though there are comments about it. So I gave you some points at the beginning that I want to remind you of. First of all, we're going on this tour. We're taking this, we're taking this wonderful, concentrated focus for a number of chapters on righteousness. Righteousness. I don't think I need to remind this Wednesday night group, but for those hearing me and who are not with us, uh, who listen in, and for others who may hear my voice, uh, may you remember that we do not have righteousness on our own. We are not righteous. We are sinners uh, coming from birth. We sin just as Adam did. We, we are not righteous. No, not one of us. Everyone looks to his own way. Uh, and the Lord laid the iniquity of us all upon the Lord Jesus. Like sheep we go astray. We live in unrighteousness. What does, what does the word righteous mean? I gave it to you a few weeks ago. 
It is that word that means to do, to be just and to do right things in relationship to God and to others. To be justified is what the word means. Righteousness is justification by God. So what do we learn? All of us in this room, knowing most of you as I do, uh, for by grace are you saved through faith and the just live by faith. And so we have a righteousness that's been given to us by Jesus Christ as a result of believing in him. Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness. His faith in God transferred righteousness to him, made him a right stand, a man in right standing with God. So I don't want us to think here uh, as we look at this, these words about righteousness, what uh, Solomon is helping us to see is the, the actions of those who are righteous. Uh, the, the act of righteousness in the Old Testament was, was built around the standards of the law, but we live under grace. So when you think about righteousness, this is about rightness with God and rightness with others. Now, I've given you some other notes here that I want you to see. Here, here's what you must do when you read all of these sayings collected together. This is what, this is what bogs people down reading the Proverbs. I just, I just read 31 Proverbs to you. Uh, there may be a few that are linked together, but most of these are freestanding statements. They are, uh, as uh, the book of Proverbs describes them uh, at the beginning, uh, they are... Uh, in, they are um, those sayings of understanding. They are words that we, they're a proverb, a figure given to help us acquire counsel. These words cause you to think about what's being said. That's why you must read it slowly, carefully, with meditation. And that's not what Americans do. Hurry up with it. Give me the summary. Just give me some instant potatoes. Instant potatoes, Pastor Mike will do. No, the book of Proverbs says you're going to slow down. So, number one, God's wisdom makes promises. So what you're going to say, you've seen already, I read to you what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. Uh, the Holy Spirit is saying to us, teaching us these, this wisdom of God. He's saying things, He's making promises to us. I truly believe that you must read the book of Proverbs as if you are now before God and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, just as He does every time you open your Bible. This is extremely important. You're not doing this like you do school or reading some novel or going and trying to acquire. You're sitting before God. You're engaged in a spiritual activity of reading the Word of God, intaking it, and hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying to you through these words. His voice is heard through the Word of God. So, as I say there, read the Proverbs listening to the Holy Spirit teach you God's wisdom for life. That's what Proverbs, the, Pro, the book of Proverbs is about. So, there are promises about righteous living. There are all kinds of promises about life and conduct in the book of, Pro, of Proverbs. There are also there are also statements that describe the actions of righteousness. What does, what does it look like to be righteous, to live righteously? Well, that's, that's what we see here. 
And then it also, the book of Proverbs, describes the results of living righteously. So I've highlighted those in your outline. It's very important. So when you're reading this, ask yourself, is this a promise that I'm reading? Is this a promise? Or is this a, a description of, of the, act, the act of righteousness or the act of living as a godly person, a wise person? Or are these the results that come from living a certain way. So there are positives and negatives. There are promises about wickedness. If you're wicked, this is what it's going to look like. Promise. Here's their statements that we see tied to these words about righteousness. If you are wicked, here are the actions. Here are the ways of the wicked. The Proverbs will, will give us. And then the Proverbs, these words of God's wisdom. We'll show you here are the results of wickedness. And we saw some of those already tonight as we were reading. When you go, when you go through a beautiful... So Pat and I had the opportunity to go to the Bachart Gardens uh, in uh, Canada many years ago. Great story there. You know, the man was a... He was a it was a rock quarry. And uh, his wife said, we need to move and... He said, no, I like it here. And they dug all the rock out and there wasn't much left. It's out on Victoria Island. And so the wife said, fine, if we're going to have to live here, I'm planting flowers in all this mess. And she planted beautiful, beautiful flowers. It's quite a place. And some of you women ought to tell your husbands to pick it up and improve and take you there. Or some of the rest of you ought to gather up and go there. It's a beautiful place, a long way away from here. When you go there, you don't run through there. You walk slowly through and, and all the areas are named for these various unbelievable flowers that grow there and plants of all kinds. Victoria Island such a unique place out, out there on Puget Sound. This is what this is like reading your Bible. You're in the garden. You're among these blooming beautiful truths Walk by, slow down. What's your rush? Use your days to enjoy walking through these beautiful truths of God's Word. You spend a whole day walking through those gardens. And even one day is not enough. We have other places where I'm sure you can go and do the same. So we see here three primary categories that I want us to see tonight. God delivers the righteous... The righteous bring joy to others. That's a result. The first is a promise. God delivers the righteous. We're going to see that in several places. So I've tried to bring, I'm showing you how I've taken basically, go find the word righteous as it appears in the chapter and then collect them up in thoughts. This is one way you can do it. And that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm doing a simple word study for you. And we're sharing it together. The righteous bring joy to others. And then the blessings of life are for the righteous. These are promises. There are promises for those who live righteously in Jesus Christ. And then the righteous desire only good things. So there is a, you know, that's an action. The righteous desire. There are promises. God delivers the righteous. There are blessings. These are the results of righteousness. So that's what we'll look at tonight for a few moments together. Number one, God delivers the righteous. 
Something else I want to go ahead and give you now before I, I don't want to stop and do this again. So I'm introducing some things to you in our study that you may not have ever seen or know, and you can go home and study it on your own if you want. But <clears throat> so I've given you this word Septuagint, which is simply the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. <clears throat> by the days of uh, by the days coming toward the time of the Lord Jesus, the Jewish people had lost many of them had lost their ability to speak. Uh, Hebrew. So uh, they were Greek speaking, just like English is the global language of the world. In that day and time, Greek was the language of the world. So in order for uh, Greek speaking Jews to understand their Bible, uh, the, the entire Bible was translated into Greek. So Septuagint is what it's called. It's the, it was done by 70 rabbis. It's a great story. You can look it up online and read all about it. That's not my task tonight. But when I'm giving you this, I'm trying to give you a variant reading. So you'll read it in your translation, your English translation based on the Hebrew. Then I'll give you the Greek. And then I'm also introducing you to something else, the Targums. Uh, that's not a place where you dig up dinosaurs, the Targums. It's not Targums. Targums is actually a, uh, the Lord Jesus spoke Aramaic. And so he spoke Aramaic. And so, uh, in the, in, again, this is a challenge in the first century around those times because of the, of the, uh, uh, because of the lack of Hebrew, the Bible was also, there was a paraphrase of the Old Testament. You can look up online and you can read the Targums of all the Old Testament books. It's actually a paraphrased Bible written in Aramaic based on the Hebrew text. Now, because I don't want to get all in the weeds, I'm giving you this to show you here are two different, when it, when it applies, I always check these when I'm studying. And so I'm giving them to you when it enhances the English reading we're giving it. I'm trying to give you something to think about. Righteousness delivers from death. Look at chapter 11, verse number four. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath. You can have all the money you want, but when the wrath of God comes, your money won't get you out from under the wrath of God. But the righteous delivers from death. The righteous delivers from death. Notice Daniel from the lion's den. Peter and Paul, we can think about a lot of others. This deliverance from death. And also verse number six, the, righteous, the righteousness of the upright will deliver them. This is something we always think about. How is it that we can understand, but it's a miracle. God always takes care of the righteous. What does he say? No temptation has overcome you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will make a way of escape so that you can endure your temptation. The escape isn't away from temptations. The escape is enduring it. This is very important for us to see. So there's deliverance. For the righteous. When I live righteously, there is deliverance. These are promises. And we can think of a lot of different examples. So here you have the Septuagint that talks about in verse number 11, verse 5. So you have this string of these words put together. The, but righteousness delivers from death. Being made righteous, being a righteous one, delivers you from death. That's what, and we say amen to that as believers. Because we do not have a righteousness of our own, but by the righteousness of Christ, we are saved. We are secure. We go to heaven. 
the righteousness of the blameless, so that the blamelessness of righteousness smooths the way. This is an interesting phrase. And so the Septuagint reads, Righteous, righteousness traces out or finds the blameless path. The righteous doesn't look for the wicked path. The righteous looks for, because of, because of the blamelessness of the righteous, their way is made smooth. You see, that's different from, have you ever seen it and talked to somebody? Well, they've really lived a hard life. They've lived a hard life. Sin, sin causes people to live hard lives. Sat with a man the other day who says to me, we were talking about foster care, and he said, I became a foster child in the second grade. I'm sitting in class. This man comes in in a suit, points over there to the teacher, talks to him, and he, the teacher points to me. He comes and takes me out of the room, takes me and my sister and my brother without any explanation, and takes us to our uncle's house. And my mother was institutionalized. And what do you do when you're in the second grade? The mother had lived with alcohol issues, drug issues, Hard life, hard life. But the way, though there are challenges, though there are traps, though there are snares, though there are trials, our way is made smooth. When there's righteousness that has blamelessness with it. See, there's lots to think about here. And that's where you can take your Bible and if you have footnotes noted to it and cross-references, you can take the time and say, well, what does that really mean? How should I think about the righteousness of the blameless will smooth his way? You see, it's very interesting because the righteous are the blameless. When you're a righteous person, you may be blamed, but you're blameless. You may be falsely accused as the Lord was falsely accused. He was blameless. He did not sin, and yet he was accused of being a sinner. So there's a smooth, what smooths our way? Blamelessness, the blamelessness of righteousness. In verse number eight, it goes on. Uh, you see, the righteous is delivered from trouble. <clears throat> we talked about that before. How many times have you been in a place where you are living for God, but you find your place in a hard place. <clears throat> one, of our, one of our men here, one of our senior men was talking to me about, he, you know, he used to work when he was a teenager, he'd work, on the <clears throat> he'd work with some men who were uh, in the uh, lineman business. And every night on the way home, you know, he's 18, 19 years old, they have to go to the beer joint. So while they were in the beer joint, he'd sit in the truck and... Uh, read his Bible. One night there was a big fight in there. One of the men was uh, almost killed. The righteous are delivered from trouble. Don't go there, the righteous man or woman says. Don't think that. Don't, don't, don't associate with that or them. You see, the righteous are delivered from trouble. This is our protection. And then the righteous, verse number nine, notice, with his mouth, the godless man destroys his neighbor. See, that's a fact. That's a promise. That happens all the time. Shootings that were reported, what's every day? What do you get your laundry list on? You can pick whichever channel. Who's, 
who shot who, and why they were fighting. Why were they shooting each other? The mouth of the godless man destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. You see these promises of deliverance? This is tied to knowledge. So the Septuagint, the Greek translation says, the understanding of righteous men is prosperous. And uh, the Aramaic paraphrase says, through their knowledge, the righteous are rescued. Now that's very good. Through your knowledge of God's word and God's wisdom and God's ways, through your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and the way he lived, hear me now, through, through the knowledge of the righteous, they're rescued. Our knowledge of the Word of God leads to the wisdom of God's Word and then to understanding. What a beautiful thing that is. So through their knowledge, the righteous are rescued. That's why Peter says in 1 Peter 1, talking about that long list, he says, add to your faith knowledge. And he goes on and talks about some other things. Not adding to your faith to be saved, but add to your faith so you grow in holiness. So knowing God and His wisdom reveals the way of deliverance in any situation. I've tried to underline that and underscore that for you to remember. Knowing God through the Lord Jesus Christ and knowing His wisdom through the Word of God reveals the way of deliverance in any situation. Number two, the righteous bring joy to others. Look at 11.10. When it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. We read on. And when the wicked perish, there is joyful shouting. As I heard a dear person in a family say about a family member who had lived an awful life of abusing the family, thank God he's dead. Thank God he's dead. And when the wicked perish, there's joyful shouting. By the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is torn down. This is obviously true for us to think about in relationship to those who lead us. David blessed Israel. Uh, so the Septuagint, the Greek translation says, uh, you know, when things are good, the, 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 with the righteous, the city rejoices. In prosperity, in the prosperity of righteous men, a city prospers. This is the Greek reading of it. And think about King David and how he blessed Israel. God's blessing upon David, his chosen one, taking him from the sheepfolds, Man after his own heart and how David blessed Israel and then the blessing of Solomon that followed. In fact, 1 Kings 10, 23 says, King Solomon became greater than all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. He blessed Israel. Israel was the greatest of all empires, the smallest of nations and the greatest of empires. And all the world came to Solomon who obviously was a picture for us of the Lord Jesus. So the righteous bring joy to others. There is nothing better than righteousness in a home. There's nothing better than the righteous. To associate with the righteous brings joy, brings encouragement, brings a healing to be around the righteous. When you're around the wicked, 
It's hard on your soul. It troubles you. You have difficulty. It was what happened to Lot when he was in Sodom. It says that Sodom, uh, that, uh, that Lot, though he picked, he picked it. Remember Abraham said, okay, what do you want? Oh, I want all that green lush down there. Give me all of that. And Abraham took the, the mountains, the wilderness. Okay, there you go, Lot. What did Lot find when he got there? Wickedness and godlessness, and it, it, it stirred his soul. Look, to be around the wicked, uh, it hurts your soul. But to be around the righteous, it is a good thing. It brings joy. It brings peace. So the blessings of life are for the righteous. Let's see this now, 1118. Notice again, I'm not reading every verse. I went and found these particular word, the, the particular word righteous or righteousness. And then I've built these together to look at them. That's the way you must study. That's one way of studying the book of Proverbs. The one who sows righteousness gets a true reward. That's a beautiful statement. Look at 18. But he who sows righteousness gets a true reward. You know the best way to sow righteousness? Or I gave you the saying of the old preacher, Charles Bridges, righteousness is the seed, happiness is the reward. The Greek translation says the seed of the righteous is a reward of truth. The seed of righteousness is a reward of truth. What a blessing it is for us to go out and share the gospel. That's how you sow in righteousness. You share the gospel with people. You share the gospel. You talk to them about knowing Jesus. You don't have to answer all their questions. You simply just tell your testimony. You speak to them. You sow righteousness. How do we sow righteousness? We sow, we, we sow righteousness in our relationships at church with one another. We sow righteousness in our family relationships and at work. Uh, so the blessing here comes to all who sow righteousness. We are sowing seeds. What kind of seeds do you sow in your family, in your personal life with others? What kind of seeds are you sowing? And then in verse 19, he who is steadfast in righteousness will attain to life. If you remain righteous, you will gain life. I love this uh, Aramaic paraphrase of this. Righteousness is a prop of life. Righteousness is a prop of life. You want to know what holds you up in life? You know what keeps you there strong? Righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness is the prop of life. It is, it is what gives us life. Righteousness feeds us. And we learn to be like Christ this way. And the descendants of the righteous will be delivered. <clears throat> 21, assuredly the evil man will not go in... Oh, let me go back and read. <clears throat> this is one place where you have the passages linked. The perverse in heart are an abomination to the Lord. That is, God hates those who are perverse in heart. Abomination means hate. Detest. The perverse in heart are detestable to the Lord. But the blameless in their walk... Look at this, are his delight. God is pleased with those who walk in God's ways, in righteousness. Then he goes on, assuredly, the evil man will not go unpunished. Because if you're, 
If you are an abomination to the Lord, you will experience the judgment of God. But the descendants of the righteous will be delivered. How did David say it? I was young, now I am old. Listen to me now. Don't, listen, don't, 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 don't drift away. I was young, now I am old, and I have yet to see the righteous forsaken, listen, nor his seed begging bread. This is it. Oh, how do I ensure for my children that things will be all right? Hear the word of God. The descendants of the righteous will be delivered. There's a blessing here for you to think about. The blameless in their walk are, walk are his delight, and the righteous please the Lord. And so then we, I could go, again, we could spend time, expand those. I'm just trying to give these to you. The righteous flourish like a green leaf. Now Sunday we'll be talking about, I'm going to prepare you to Sunday's Mother's Day, but I'm going to be speaking about manure on uh, Sunday. So mothers, please don't be offended, uh, but, but that's, the, that's the parable for the week. And so there's an unfruitful tree, and we're going to talk about unfruitfulness, and then we're going to talk about the importance of manure in helping a tree to become fruitful. Here we have a picture of the righteous like a plant, a leaf, the leaf of a plant. And so the Aramaic says the righteous will flourish like foliage. That's happening all around us these days. Look at this. Jeremiah 17, you know this. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He will be like a tree planted by water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. You see, that's the promise. You flourish as a righteous person. You flourish. What did the Lord say? Abide in me. A branch cannot bear fruit unless you abide in the vine. I'm the vine, you're the branches. As we abide in Christ, oh, how we flourish. How we flourish. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Now this is such a wonderful, this is the frustrating thing when you're walking through these beautiful flower gardens of God's Word. You find these beautiful flowers and you want to pause and really think about one, but I'm trying to collect... So there are a lot of places we could have stopped tonight. This would be one wonderful place to stop. But I only have a few moments. Chapter 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous. The fruit. Okay. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. What a statement. The Septuagint, the Greek translation, out of the fruit of righteousness grows a tree of life. So we read in Proverbs 3, how blessed is the man who finds wisdom. Please notice now the language. Her profit, wisdom's profit is better than silver and her gain better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. Her ways are pleasant, all her paths peace. She, wisdom, is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. A tree of life. 
My dear friend, Brother Roger, uh, a <clears throat> pastor friend who's about to go to be with the Lord is in his last days uh, with uh, cancer. So we've all said, Brother Phil, myself, we'll, see, we'll meet you at the tree. Well, we're talking about the tree of life. When you finish here, I'll meet you at the tree. The tree of life. The tree of life in heaven. The tree of life that comes from a life. You see, righteousness is the fruit. This fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. And the righteous will be rewarded, verse 31, it comes at the end, if the righteous will be rewarded in the earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner. You see, it's hard for us to, we don't get the actual reading of that in English, it's a little hard. So listen to this, if the righteous are scarcely saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? That's the Greek translation, that's exactly the translation used by Peter in 1 Peter 4.18. What's it saying? If the righteous are saved by grace alone, what is going to be the condition? Listen to me, folks, as we end now. What is the condition of the lost sinner? If the righteous are scarcely saved, barely saved, by the grace of God, what will happen to godless sinners? For by grace we have been saved through faith. And finally, I left it here at the end, but it's back up in verse 23. The desire of the righteous is only good. And you can see what I've given you there to think about. The desire of the right. See, when you're righteous, you don't desire evil. When you're righteous, you don't desire sinful things. When you're right, righteousness, righteousness, read it carefully now. Righteousness, <clears throat> the desire of righteousness is only good. So the righteous desire God in His glory. Who have I in heaven but you? I desire nothing on earth. The righteous seek the lordship of Christ and his rule. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The desire of the righteous is satisfying. It's his desire in chapter 13, 12 is the righteous desire is a tree of life. The very desire of the righteous is a tree of life. It, it gives you life. And desire realized is sweet to the soul. And when we walk in the spirit, we lose our desire for the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, you'll not carry out the desire of the flesh. And oh, the wonderful promise in the, in, in the chapter on faith, the righteous desire heaven. They desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Well, you see what we've done tonight. As we continue to think about living wisely, Lord willing, next time we'll look at chapter 12. We're just moving our way through, walking through this beautiful garden of promises and blessings and words that give us wisdom to live. Why do we open the Word of God? So that we might know how to live and honor and glorify God. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord Jesus is near to the door. And so we pray, come Lord Jesus, I hope you're dressed in readiness and you have the lights on. Jesus is coming again. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. How we ask that you might give us the ability to comprehend by the Holy Spirit these truths. And thank you for the blessed promise, the promises and blessings of righteousness in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.
Good to see you all. Have a great week. Lord willing, you want to be here Sunday to hear about manure. You won't want to miss it. Bet you've never heard any preacher preach on manure, but you're going to hear it this week. We might even give samples out to all the kids to take home for Mother's Day. <clears throat>